Welcome to Biblical Tapestry. Biblical Tapestry is a podcast where we explore how the Bible is its own commentary and how the gospel is thoroughly woven from Genesis to Revelation. This is episode 6, as we are about to complete 1 John chapter 2. John returns to a discussion from earlier about abiding in the Son and the Father and exhorting believers to continue to live in a manner befitting their calling. If you would turn to 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 24. What you have heard from the beginning is to remain in you. If what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and in the Father, and this is the promise that he himself made to us eternal life. I have written these things to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you don't need anyone to teach you. Instead, his anointing teaches you about all things, and is true and not a lie, just as he has taught you. Remain in him. So now, little children, remain in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that this as well. Everyone who does what is right has been born of him. Going back to verses 24 and 25, we see this. What you have heard from the beginning is to remain in you. If what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he himself made to us eternal life. It appears that some of John's readers were in danger of succumbing to false arguments. He is emphasizing that what the community has heard from the beginning, being the gospel message, should remain in them. Perhaps some had even heard Jesus himself expressing the gospel message as from the beginning may imply. Paul is actually repeating himself here in effect emphasizing staying obedient to the gospel message and the joint communion with the Son and the Father. The repetition serves as a reinforcement of the urgency of this teaching. This relationship in which the Christian remains in God is vital, intimate, and constant, says Daniel Aiken. The relationship between the believer and God is through the person of Jesus Christ, whose sacrifice on the cross healed that relationship by the forgiveness of sins and places us in the very presence of God. Holding strong with the gospel creates a deep fellowship with the Son of God and God himself. It is important to grow in our knowledge of the Lord, to deepen our understanding through careful study, and to teach these truths to others. But we should never abandon the basic truth about Christ. Jesus will always be God's Son, and his sacrifice for our sins is permanent, and no statement will ever contradict these teachings in God's word. Verse 25, and this is the promise that he himself made to us, eternal life. The abiding has the blessing of the promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Well, what did Jesus tell us? Well, John 3:14, he says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, So the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. There it is, eternal life. 
For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned, because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it, so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light, so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. You know, eternal life that God promises us is a present and future reality. The promise of eternal life is valid now for that future reality, and the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives now confirms that. All of this secured by the death and resurrection of Jesus the Messiah. If we know Christ, we have the present experience of abiding with God and the future promise of eternal life. The presence of Christ in our lives gives evidence that the power of sin and death has been defeated and that the believer has moved from darkness into light and has the assurance of eternal life now. Verse 26, I have written these things to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. So the imperative from John to stand firm and to hold fast was because the successionist false teachers were pressuring believers to stop following the truth and to follow them on a path of destruction. They were trying to deceive them, and that deception is still very much alive today. These are the ones that John called Antichrist and liars. Still today, people don't want to follow error alone. They will try to take as many people with them as possible. Christians are to know God's word and immerse themselves in prayer and Bible study and put on the whole armor of God so we can stand firm. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. God provides for us the armor that we need. Verse 27 says, As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you don't need anyone to teach you. Instead, his anointing teaches you about all things, and is true and not a lie, just as it has taught you remain in him. When the Spirit of God enters a believer at conversion, it begins to teach and instruct us about all things in truth. John 14:15 says, If you love me, you will keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the Spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. John 14.25 says, I have spoken these things to you while I, I remain with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, 
will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. John 16:12 says, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is mine. This is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. So the Spirit teaches us. The Spirit of truth can keep us from going astray if we listen and we stay close to God. We have God-inspired scriptures to help us test questionable teachings. Once more, error and sin loves company, and the false teachers want to bring along and deceive as many as they can. John 6:43 says Jesus answered them, Stop grumbling among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has listened to and learned from the Father comes to me. God still teaches us through his Spirit. Verse 28 says, Now, So now, little children, remain in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. John's term of little children is not an insult to his readers, but a term of affection and concern for the situation with these false teachers that they were facing. Again, John asked them to remain in him. However, it appears that John switches from a reassurance to an exhortation. At the time he is writing them, the readers do still remain, since they have not yet adopted the profane teaching of the successionists. But now John wants to avert the possibility that they might do so at some point. So he begins this section in verse 28 with an exhortation to the readers to reside and remain in Christ. Christ is returning again, both physically and literally, and when he appears he should have confidence. We should have confidence before God. Matthew 22:42 says, Therefore be alert, since you don't know what day your Lord is coming. But know this, if the homeowner had known what time the thief was coming, he would have stayed alert and not let his house be broken into. This is why you are also to be ready, because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Believers are to be prepared and ready any moment for Christ's return. That should motivate us and sustain our faith and perseverance. And to be ashamed is not have that relationship that this is required. Not have the close relationship we need with God. In Mark chapter 8, verse 34, calling the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. But what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? What can anyone give in exchange for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Those who remain faithful will not need to hide from Christ's return because they can stand with confidence before him. 
in Hebrews 9, 23, 23, it says this, Therefore it was necessary for the copies of the things in the heavens to be purified with these sacrifices. What he's talking about is the previous sacrifices in the Old Testament. Then he goes on to say, But the heavenly things themselves to be purified with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with hands, only a model of the true one, but into heaven itself, so that he might now appear in the presence of God for us. He did not do this to offer himself many times as the high priest enters the sanctuary yearly with the blood of another. Otherwise, he would have had to suffer many times since the foundation of the world. But now he has appeared one time at the end of the ages for the removal of sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for people to die once, and after this judgment, so also Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Christ is returning again. And the challenge is abiding in Christ. And we are challenged to remain faithful. And we wait and anticipate the return of Christ the visible proof of being a believer is clearly in right behavior. Many people do good deeds but have no faith in Christ, and yet there are those who have faith in Christ but rarely do anything of value. Either of the above would cause shame when Christ returns. Verse 29 says, If you know that he is righteous, you know this as well. Everyone who does what is right has been born of him. The character of God is righteousness, and he instills this knowledge of righteousness in believers. The spiritual rebirth into Christ instills an ability and nature to do the right thing. This doing right is a correct moral behavior acceptable to God, says Howard Marshall. This is a noticeable, life-characterizing righteousness that comes from having a personal, saving knowledge of God who is absolutely righteous. In episode 7, we'll observe 1 John 3 about being confident and ready. God bless you. Have a blessed day. And I pray that you have that close, abiding relationship with our Creator and our Savior.